Now, um, whenever we're going as a UK citizen um, traveling abroad, um, there are certain entry requirements um, that we need to meet to get into the country we're going to, right? So we need a passport, obviously, um, to get through uh, customs. Um, you need to make sure you've got your tickets with you, whether they're plane tickets or train tickets or boat tickets to get into the country. If you're traveling to the US, you still need your COVID-19 passport. Maybe you think that's ridiculous now, but you still need it. Um, and if you are traveling to Qatar for the Men's Football World Cup, which if you didn't know, starts today, um, you need something that's called a hire card. Now, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. H-A-Y-A-R. It's a special entry permit to get into the country. You don't have it, you don't get in. There might be a lot of football fans turning up to Qatar thinking, woohoo! No, nope, I can't get in if you don't have it. Why do I start with this? In our passage today, did you notice how Jesus gives his entry requirements for life in the kingdom of God? And if you've been following our sermon series through the book of Luke, you will know this kingdom is a kingdom like no other. This is a kingdom where truth and justice matter where love and forgiveness flow. This is a kingdom where evil and injustice are just not tolerated at all. This is a kingdom where peace reigns. This is a kingdom that lasts forever. This is a kingdom which all our hopes for a better future and a better society find their fulfillment. A kingdom which is open to all. But the shock of this passage is those who don't make it into the kingdom. Jesus says, you're not in, you're out. Despite all their religious observance and praying and fasting and sacrificial giving, despite all this person's moral performance and goodness, they don't get in. They don't make it. Because they miss what the key entry requirements are. And Jesus wants to make sure that none of us make the same mistake. We're all in. We all enjoy life with him and his kingdom. Don't miss out. So come with me to the passage. Let's listen carefully to what Jesus says here about entry into his kingdom. First thing to see. A kingdom of God is for those who cry out to God for mercy. We can see this in the parable that Jesus tells in verses 9 to 14. So we're introduced to these um, two uh, men who go up to the temple and pray. And it's when people pray out loud, it's very revealing of their heart. Let's see what their prayers reveal about their hearts. First, we have the Pharisee. Notice he stands by himself, you know, off to one side, not wanting to associate with the tax collectors, the sinners, doesn't want to contaminate himself. And he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildeers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So here's this guy who thinks that entry into the kingdom of God is based on his own religious performance, in particular in comparison to others. I am way better than them. I am much more religious than them. Let me in. Confidence in his own righteousness. The second person we're introduced to is this tax collector. Do you notice here, though, he stands at a distance? 
He's aware that he doesn't even deserve to be in God's presence at the temple praying. He would not even look up to heaven. So aware is he of the guilt and shame of his sin before a holy God? He beats his breast. He, he knows the state of his heart. A sort of corrupt, greedy, selfish thoughts, desires, actions that flow out of his heart into his life, what he's done, what he's committed, what he's said, the things he regrets. And so he cries out to God and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. And look at what Jesus says in verse 14 about who's in and who's out. I tell you, okay, this is important. Don't miss this, everyone, that I'm telling you this parable about. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. Justified in a right relationship with God. Justified a member of the kingdom of God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here then is the key inch requirement for the kingdom of God. Humility before God. Recognizing your true status before God. Not comparing yourself to others, trying to religiously perform to for God. Make out you're better or worse. No! It's about coming to God in humility and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, whenever I wind Joe up, say some thoughtless words to my wife, um, Joe, whenever I hurt her in some way, my words or actions don't do what I've said or, or what I've promised, how do you think it would go down? If I said to her, after I've done this, well, at least I'm not like all those other husbands who beat their wives, all those husbands who don't have any time with the kids. I've never laid a finger on you. I take the kids to school every, every day. I mean, how's that going to go down? It's not going to go down very well at all, is it? Hopefully, if I wrong Joe, if I get, you know, get, I'm quick to say sorry to her. Seek her forgiveness. And hopefully she offers that forgiveness and our relationship with each other is restored. So it is with us and God, but you know what? It's even better because God always forgives us whenever we cry out to him for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. So look, coming to church, reading your Bible, praying, fasting, giving sacrificially, all really important aspects of Christian discipleship. Please do not mishear Jesus on this. But never think for one moment that these justify you before God, make you right with God, get you entry in the kingdom or keep you in the kingdom. No, that only comes. The only reason any of us here sit here as a member is if we have called out to God for mercy and he has, he has justified us. He has forgiven us. And he's poured out his mercy and grace upon us. There'll be many times, every day, 
when we get things wrong with God, we fall into temptation, we break God's law. What have we just confessed earlier on? We confess our sin in thought and word and deed, in negligence and weakness through our own deliberate fault. And whenever that happens, do not be tempted to try and make yourself feel better by comparing yourself to others. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. At least I'm not sinned as bad as them. At least I'm coming to church every Sunday. Where are they last week? They've never made it to the prayer gathering. I'm there every month. Just don't even go there. Don't play those comparison games. They are a complete waste of time. When we fall into sin, and we all do it, all the time. The immediate response, go to God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and know that he hears you, he answers you, pours out his mercy, forgiveness on you. Your relationship with him is absolutely secure. So can I ask, when was the last time you prayed like verse 13? Not saying you have to beat your breast, right? But hey, if that helps, go for it. But how much of our daily prayer life has this this confession of sin, this recognition of our status before God, not comparing ourselves to others, but just pouring it all out and being honest with the Lord and receiving afresh his forgiveness. This is who the kingdom of God is for, those who recognize they fall short, those who recognize they don't have things sorted, those who have a sober assessment of themselves. Come humbly to God each day, crying out to him for mercy. Here is the entry requirement for life in the kingdom of God. But you say, I've already thrown myself on the mercy of God. I'm adopted child of God. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. Surely it's spiritually unhealthy to sort of think of myself as a sinner all the time. Do I really have to keep praying this all the time? What is the most said, most famous, most used confession in the Christian church, mainline churches across the globe for at least the last two millennia? Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You ever wonder why we say that? Because of this. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he very famously described Christian believers as simultaneously justified and sinners. Simul justus et peccato. We are justified. It is a wonderful thing, but we keep sinning. We'll keep sinning until Jesus returns or we die and the new creation comes in. And because that's the case, let's keep crying out to the Lord for mercy. Receive afresh his forgiveness and his power to change. Churches who no longer have a confession of sin in their worship services do so at their peril. Individual Christians who no longer cry out to God for mercy do so at their peril. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all those who humble themselves before God will be exalted. So that's the first thing Jesus wants to be absolutely clear on. Entering the kingdom of God for those who cry out to God for mercy. Secondly, in verses 15 to 17, the kingdom of God is for those who receive it like a little child. Glance down with me at verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, this is a side point. 
But time and again in Luke's gospel, we see Jesus welcoming those whom society looks down upon. Did you know that it wasn't until AD 375 that the practice of killing children was bad? That might seem completely outrageous to us, right? We value children very highly today. Back then, not at all. They treated children like possessions that you could just discard and get rid of just like that. But here is Jesus welcoming the children. Don't you dare hinder the children. Jesus sees the intrinsic value in every human being made in the image of God, did he beloved by God so that Jesus would, was sent to die for them. It's just a wonderful picture again. We see it time and again in Luke's gospel of Jesus welcome to all. But verse 17, here's the main point. Um, truly I tell you, okay, here it comes again. Truly I tell you, listen up, don't get this wrong. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Will never enter it. My goodness, we better get this right. We need to enter the kingdom of God like a little child. What does that mean? Did you notice how in verse 15, Jesus, we're told here that the people are bringing babies I mean, these are like newborns. They are infants. They are coming to Jesus with nothing. They can offer nothing, no good works, no wisdom. They've just been born. They're completely helpless. They're completely dependent on their parents. They don't actually walk to Jesus. People are carrying the babies to Jesus so that they can receive this blessing from Jesus. And that is a picture Jesus says of how we are to receive the kingdom of God. We come to him with nothing. We offer nothing. We are helpless, completely dependent on him for our salvation. We come to him and we receive the blessing by faith. There's no need to bargain with God. There's no negotiating with God. There's no bringing our gifts, abilities, good works to God. We just come as we are in faith and receive the blessing, the gift of salvation. That is what it means to receive the kingdom like a little child. Nothing in my hands I bring. The great hymn writer Augustus Top Lady put it. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. On the flip side, it means we never need doubt whether God will accept us, love us, take care of us, as we cry out to him, come to him, come back to him. When Jessica, our littlest, our fifth, one-year-old, when I am feeding her, she doesn't start questioning my motives. She doesn't start thinking, hmm, wonder if dad's going to poison me. She's just like... When Jacob, our five-year-old, he's on the top of the steps, I say, hey, jump down. He doesn't start thinking to himself, like, hmm, wonder if I deserve to be caught by daddy if I'm good enough. You know, he just jumps into my loving embrace. 
And if my children are, are hurt and, and they need comfort, and they, they don't start thinking to themselves, well, I, I wonder if I'm good enough for, for mum. And they just come running up to mum and dad for everything that they need. Don't doubt for one moment God's love and care and protection and grace and mercy towards you right now. Whatever state you're in, whatever terrible week you've had. If you've been running for him for weeks, first time back to church in a while, he welcomes you back. And you don't have to bring anything. Just yourself. Kids kind of picked up, putting their hands up. We just come open hands, open hearted to the Lord. Receive by faith all the gifts and blessings that he has for you. Are you a little child? In that sense, not in a childish sense, not in an ignorant sense, in a childlike sense, helpless dependent, receptive to all that Jesus has for you. Truly I tell you, anyone who will receive, will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Okay, so two things we've seen so far. The kingdom of God is for those who cry out to God for mercy. It's for those who receive it like a little child. Thirdly and finally, The kingdom of God is for those who can't do it themselves. It's impossible. I think this is where this passage has been heading, but my goodness, does it come to a a real head with the rich and young ruler here in verses 18 to 30. Comes up to Jesus, verse 18. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He thinks there's something he can do. Just tell me, Jesus, and I'll do it. I'm the man for the job. And Jesus gives him a little clue that he's probably barking up the wrong tree here. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You think that you can be good enough for God. You know what the standard for good is? It's God, and he's perfect. Perfectly loving, perfectly just, no evil or sin in him at all, ever, for eternity. How are you getting on with that? You know the commandments. Jesus lists commandments five to nine of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not make murder, steal, not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Now this guy says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. I mean, fair play to this man if this is true. This is Mr. Incredible, right? This is like the best guy you've ever met. And Jesus doesn't question him. But what does Jesus say in verse 22? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, what do you make of that for Jesus? Sell everything you have, and come, follow me. Give up the entirety of your career, and come, follow me. Give up the approval of your parents and come follow me. Give up your independence, all of it, 
and entirely trust in me. Come follow me. Give up your fear of people. Give up that relationship. Give it all up for me. How are you going to manage that? How are you going to get on? You're going to do it in your own strength? This man can't do it. He's Mr. Incredible, and he can't do it. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And then Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom. Do not think the eye of the needle is some little gate on a city wall that if a camel got down on his knees and took his saddle off, can like get through. It is no historical or archaeological evidence. It's a needle. It's a little sewing needle. It's tiny. You can't get a camel through the eye of a needle. It is impossible. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, here is the good news of Christianity. Here is the good news about Jesus Christ. That what we cannot do for ourselves, God freely does for us. And says Jesus Christ, to save us. So we can enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus lives the perfect life we fail to live. He was perfectly dependent on his father throughout his whole life. Not what I will, but what you will. Loved God with all his heart, mind, soul, strength. Loved his neighbor like himself. Perfectly kept all the old, the Ten Commandments. And because of that, Jesus could die the death that we deserve for our sin. Jesus Christ gave up completely everything for you and me. Such that now by faith in him we can have the forgiveness of sins, we can have the power of the Holy Spirit working us, transforming us from the inside out. Such that we can begin to live these new lives of radical obedience to Jesus Christ that we can't do it in our own strength but we can do in his. That's the message of Christianity. Peter says to Jesus in verse 28, we have left all we have to follow you. And now listen to the promise Jesus gives in verse 29. Truly I tell you, here it is. Here's the main thing. Don't forget this. This is the important point. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. So here's this rich man, and he's rich. He's got so much, his hands are full of money and abundance. But the problem of holding on to it, not being able to let go, he, he, we've said before we need to come to, to God like, like a little child, hands open, hearts open. We can't do it in our own strength, but by faith in Christ and the power of the Spirit, if we only just begin to open our hands, Jesus Christ will fill them with many things now. The forgiveness of sin, the presence of his spirit, a life being transformed more into the likeness of Christ, the blessing of Christian community, growing together in Christ's likeness. Be able to change in society now. And then in the age to come, eternal life, this world renewed. No more evil, no more suffering, no more death. 
and the very future, the very society we all long for will be ours. Will you let go? Will you let go to all these things we cling to, we cling to, that we can't in our own strength, but we can do in his. And let him fill you with all his eternal blessings. So let's cry out to him for mercy. Let's receive the kingdom like a little child, helpless, dependent. And let's give up all we have to follow Jesus and receive all his blessings. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the good news about Jesus Christ. And that what is impossible for us to save ourselves, to enter the kingdom of God, is possible with you. Because you sent Jesus as the one who's lived the life we failed to live, died the death that we deserve. Forgiveness of sin freely available, the power of your spirit to work in us, to change us from the inside out. Father, help us to have a right recognition of an assessment of ourselves before you. Sinful, dependent on your mercy. Like a little child, we so desperately need you for everything. And then please help us to open up our hands and open up our hearts more and more to you that you may fill them with every spiritual blessing now, every physical blessing to come in the new creation. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.